Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, episode 126A, Akuda Matata Ain't No Passing Craze. This is the mini podcast, just in case you can't listen to the full version. We're going to spend 30 minutes talking about the second nine teams on the Detroit Lions schedule. So having a look at how our opposition signs did in terms of their roster management, their free agency and their draft and everything included. Just one bit of news to catch you up on this week. Defensive lineman John Kaminsky was claimed on waivers from the Atlanta Falcons. Corresponding move, we waived kicker Aldrich Rosas. He has seven other claims and we paid $965,000, but there will be no cap penalty if we cut him. So we'll reclaim that almost $1 million if we don't fancy him. Thoughts on Kaminsky, Ant? Yeah, um, some more defensive line uh, depth for training camp, for mini camp, all those things. You know, I, I, I'm not surprised. You don't really need a third kicker when you're going out and the other two are going to be fighting for the top spot. So give it to someone who's got a fighting chance of making the 53. So I'm all in favour of it. Really looking forward to seeing the defensive line battle at camp this year. You've got Penasini in there, you've got Kaminsky in there, you've got Demetrius Taylor in there, you've still got guys like Eric Banks, Chashon Cornell, Bruce Hector, a lot of guys fighting for just a few spots. So I'm intrigued to see who's going to come out on top of this. But they're late, he's got his chance. And as we know, Detroit is the place for chances. So uh, go earn it. I realise I neglected to tell you who we are. He's Anthony Fitzpatrick. My name's Matthew Turner. We'll get into the meat and drink of this episode now, starting with game number nine, week number 10, at the Chicago Bears. Notable draft picks right at the top. Kyler Gordon at 39, Jaquan Brisket at 48, and a bag and nothing apart from that. Their free agency, all this is a team in disarray, losing Alan Robinson to the LA Rams, James Daniel to Pittsburgh, uh, Jakeem Grant to Cleveland, Billy Al Nichols to Las Vegas, and only bringing in a handful of fine players, okay players, Justin Jones, Al-Qaeda Mohammed, Lucas Patrick, Byron Pringle. And this is a game in freefall, uh, a team in freefall. Yeah, you, uh, you said it right there. This is... <clears throat> This is a team who, whether they want to admit it or not, or at the start of a rebuild, uh, because they broke it all down this year, letting all their top defenders go, um, they're, they're at the start of a rebuild. Unfortunately for them, their team's not acting like they're at the start of a rebuild. When you are a rebuilding side, you go for your important positions first. You go after your trenches. You build your foundational pieces on there. You get your guys in. You set yourself up for years to come. They spent their top two draft picks and they didn't have many good ones on their secondary. Now, that's not saying anything against Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. I hate the thought that we're going to go against Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson for so many years going forward. It's a great safety group. But they have completely neglected to defend their quarterback or to put resources into going to get another one. Now, I know they will say, oh, yeah, but we went out and we got uh, Lucas Patrick from Green Bay and he was really good. No, he was a rotational guy there. They didn't need him. 
you know, that says a lot there. He's 29 years old. He's not going to be a foundational piece going forward. He's a stopgap. Whether you like it or not, he's a stopgap. And there are no one, there's no one on that line at the minute who screams foundational piece going forward. They think Jenkins might be the guy injured a lot of last year, not proven nothing yet. And, you know, this is the second year they're going to leave Justin Fields on an island, unprotected, running for his life. And I just don't get why they didn't go after offensive linemen earlier. They, they didn't have to get a tackle. They could have gone for a guard. They could have gone for a center. They could have gone for somebody to protect him. Or they could have gone for a defensive tackle. Could have got Travis Jones at this point. You know, you could have got a lot of guys. And, and they didn't. Instead, they just chose to throw darts. They had a lot of day three picks. They threw darts at offensive linemen, hoping that at least one of them might stick. You know, I've watched a lot of college football. I don't think any of these guys are going to stick Personally, they got the the not good running back from Baylor. Um, I just I think the draft was atrocious. I think the free agency has been bad. It is just filling holes to get to next season when they're like, oh, we've got a hundred million dollars. But as as you know, with Jacksonville this year, you have a lot of spare cap. Agents go fleece you. It doesn't necessarily mean you're just going to get better overnight. So. I'm expecting wins, a sweep here. I'm expecting Detroit to make a statement. We are better than they are, regardless of whether they have fields or not. The team is not built up right. It's not good in the trenches, and it's at the start of a rebuild. We're further in front with a lot more foundational pieces in place, and I want to see us go and smash them. Yeah, completely agree. This is a team we should be beating 10 times out of 10. It's a team that started to get worse. And to be honest, the year after this, I don't think it looks any better. To be honest, they're going to be left with the smallest roster in the NFL by the time they start over. And, and as you said on the main pod, there are players there that are going to want to get paid too. You know, they're going to have to spend a lot of that cap retaining the few good players they have. So Chicago in disarray and with a new coaching staff could go well for them. Remains to be seen. Moving on to the next game at the New York Giants. The Giants, their draft was interesting. Uh, at the top, very good. Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal at five and seven. Some good pieces in there as well. And Daniel Ballinger, Michael McFadden, Darian Beavers. But intermixed with some big question marks. Uh, Wondell Robinson, Cordell Flott, uh, DJ Davidson. You have a look at their free agency as well. They lost some big players. So James Bradbury, the corner, famously moved on, but so did Logan Ryan. They also ended up losing Evan Ingram, Jabril Peppers, Carl Rudolph, Nate Solder, Danny Shelton. There's some players who contributed some big things for their team or just at some important positions, and they haven't really replaced them. Mark Glowinski, Tyrod Taylor, their biggest signings, John Feliciano. And yet you have a look at their roster and bar wide receiver, it's it's not awful. That defense could cause us some problems. Yes, it can. And you know, this is this was a theme on the main pod. There are a lot of teams we've put automatic wins against this year that we shouldn't be. Um, because they are going to give us issues. Now, I'll just briefly say what I said about on the main pod about the Giants. I like what the Giants did in this draft. I like how they're building, but they're not a complete team. They are good foundational pieces intermixed in with some real bad players. So at the minute, this is a team I would expect to beat simply because, you know, they're not a complete side. But I like Brian Dayball. I like the way they've drafted. You know, they've looked after their offensive line for the first time in forever and a day. 
you know, we've jokingly said in previous years, we could walk onto their offensive line and they probably could have had walk-ons when Nate Solder was playing tackle there. But they've gone, they, in Glowinski and Feliciano, they've got a good pair of guards there, reliable guards. They've got two very young, very high ceiling tackles. Andrew Thomas, after a shaky start, has become really good. His ceiling's very high. Evan Neal is going to be a day one starter there. I like how they've attacked that side of it. And on the other side, you've got Kayvon Thibodeau on there on the edge. You know, you've also added some decent free agency on your defensive line as well. And then you've got some other good picks in there. You know, your secondary, you've got Dame Belton, uh, the safety from Iowa. They were one of the best secondaries in the country last season. A lot of takeaways there. A lot of good players. I'm looking forward to seeing him. You've got Darian Beavers, who they got up late at linebacker. I think these are guys who, when they're trained up properly and if they're developed right, they're going to far succeed You know the position they were drafted at. So I low-key like what the Giants are doing. I just think they're a little further behind in the overall project as to what we are. And I would expect us to win because of that. I want us to start putting some of the, these teams to the sword this year because it's what we need to do to show progress going forward. But I ain't dunking on the Giants. I like what they've done and I like where they're going, but I just think we're better than them right now. Yeah, can't disagree with any of that. It's a game you hope for a win for, but you can absolutely see a route, especially when it's on the road, to us not making it for this one. <laughs> I, I hate using the term, but that, that would be a same old Lions loss. For me, yeah, okay. and I hate using that term, but for me, as I've said, there are some teams this year that we have to make a statement on to show that we're moving forward as a team. We can't expect to be competing for the playoffs and beating good sides to get to the playoffs if we can't beat mid-sides. We've got to start beating mid-sides, and the Giants are right now the definition of a mid-side. Yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. Right. Next up is the Thanksgiving game with the visit of the Buffalo Bills to Ford Field. Buffalo Bills has a low-key draft, not having too many picks, but still managed to take Kyrie Elam, James Cook, and Khalil Shakir. And they had, I would argue, a reasonable off-season in terms of their free agency as well, bringing in Von Miller and Duquan Jones as well as OJ Howard. Howard. They only lost a couple of pieces, John Feliciano, Levi Wallace, Harrison Phillips, Cole Beasley, but they replaced him fine. Their starting team is Super Bowl bound. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Their defense is two players deep, basically in every position, and their starting offense is out this world. And when you have players like Gabriel Davis coming out the way he did last year, this team is just going to be hard to live with because... Not only have they signed well, but they've drafted well for a long period of time. Anything but Super Bowl appearances is failure for this team. Absolutely. If, if, if you're going to put one guaranteed loss on a season and be very comfortable about doing it, I, th- I think this is the one for the Lions. Doesn't mean I don't expect them to be competitive against them, because I do. I expect us to be competitive against everyone, and I want to stop seeing the blowouts every year needs to stop but like you said this team are Super Bowl bound they were very prudent this offseason you know they had very few problems to deal with so they didn't need too many picks in the draft a lot of us highlighted it you know when we did our draft predictions the one thing they needed on defense was a cornerback opposite Tredavious White because that got exposed big time last year they picked on the other corner and not him 
whereas that secondary is quite impressive apart from the second corner. So they went out and got Kair Elam. Is he the correct corner? <clears throat> you know, that remains to be seen and we will see this year, but at least they acknowledged that that was the problem and they went and spent a premium pick on getting it. The other problem they've had is running the football. Now, I know the stats won't say that. It'll say they're a decent running team, but I've said it to you on loads of occasions when talking about the Bills, and it's true. They rely on Josh Allen's arm far too much. and Not that's a bad thing, because he can deal with high loads and win your games, but just sometimes on those days when he ain't necessarily playing well or he comes up against a Super Bowl-caliber defense who can deal with him, You've got to be able to have the run game to take the pressure off him. And Devin Singletree's just not been allowed to do that enough over the years, whether it's because he's not good enough, whether it's just because they didn't call enough plays for him. They didn't really call enough plays, to be fair. But, you know, he's not had that there. So now with the addition of James Cook, you know, they've got a running back one in Singletree. The great thing about James Cook is he's not played much in college. Now, people might go, oh, well, that's not a good thing. But trust me, for a running back, mileage is really important for a running back when coming out of college. Some guys have already ran for three, 4,000 yards and are spent by the time they get here. Cook is not. And he's shown in his performances that he is a good running back. He's just played on the Georgia team, which swept all before them last year. Michigan Wolverines fans will know him because he had a breakout day as a receiver against them as well. So he has the receiving ability. He has the running ability. He has the mileage. He's now given that running back room depth that it needed. And so they've sorted that. And then maybe the other critique you could have had is that the edge room is good, but it's young. They went twice on edge last year, but they're young guys. So they've gone out and got Von Miller, one of the most experienced, best pass rushers in the game. I mean, guys like Gregory Russo are just going to eat up information from this guy. And you imagine playing with him, the amount of coverage he takes, they're going to feast. So all those little problems that they had to deal with, they've dealt with. And for me now, looking at that team, as you said, I can't see many obvious flaws. Only thing might be some aspects of that offensive line, particularly the tackles that could possibly be a weakness. But I look at the inside, Mitch Morse, Roger Saffold, it's great. And I think the tackles are the possible weak spot, but, you know, it's one thing getting past their offensive line. It's another thing trying to bring Josh Allen down. He's damn good in the pocket. He can move. He can throw for days on the run. You know, it's, it's just half the battle. So it doesn't even matter sometimes. So these Bills are Super Bowl bound. They are much better than us. That's not a bad thing to say. They're on another level. That's realistic. I think they're going to beat us. But I would like to see us put on a show against them at least. Moving on to the next game, week 13, game number 12 which is the visit of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Jaguars. Um, sorry, English. Can't get out of the habit. Uh, their draft, we know they took Trayvon Walker at one, but sneaky goods in the next three picks. Devin Lloyd at 27, Luke Fortner 65, Chad Moomer at 70. Looking at their offseason, yes, they overpaid, but they got talent. Christian Kirk, four years, 72 million. Brandon Scherf, three years, 49.5 million. Foyasade Olakun three years, 45 million. Darius Williams, three years, 30. And so was Foley, Foley Fatukazi and Zay Jones, three years, 24 million. In return, they lost a couple of guys. Andrew Norwell, the guards, Washington. Miles Jack, the linebackers, Pittsburgh. DJ Chark, obviously came to us. Um, Carlos Hyde, Nevin Lawson. You know, at the end of the day, this team didn't lose much, added a lot, but their main change is a head coach with... Uh, the outgoing regime, let's call it underwhelming, and replacing him with uh, 
a head coach that has won a Super Bowl. And whether you think he was the reason that they won a Super Bowl or not, I maintain that he must at least be a good organiser, a person who can steady the ship in a, in a roster that, you know, potentially could cause us some problems that not a lot of people are expecting with the Jags. Yeah, if, if you're putting down an automatic W against this team going into your predictions this season, stop, stop right there because this is not as clear-cut and simple as it's made out to be. Jacksonville are a dangerous side, and I'm just going to put it right out there. Start with the draft. They drafted really well, like Matt says. Just take, um, you know, take Trayvon Walker out of the equation. He was always going to be a top pick. Was he one? We don't know. He's still going to be a decent player at this level, maybe a damn good player at this level. But, I mean, just look at what they've done after that. You know, you've taken Devin Lloyd. You've taken Chad Moomer. I mean, these are two special linebackers, and you're adding them to a room that's already got Josh Allen and Kayvon Chasen in there. I mean, you kidding me? I'd, I'd swap all our linebackers for theirs in a heartbeat, and I honestly would. So they've really done up there. They've got Luke Fortner, the offensive lineman from Kentucky. He's probably going to play center there. Kentucky make versatile, tough mofos. They really do. These I love a good Kentucky lineman. He's going to slot right in there, be a starter, and he's going to be really good. And that offensive line is pretty decent now that they've had him in there. You've got Brandon Scherf, who's come in, who's one of the best guards in the NFL. Let's just put it quite frankly, he is one of the best guards in the NFL. You've got Walker Little, you've got you know left tackle, you've got Juwan Taylor, sorry, Cam Robinson, Juwan Taylor. You've got enough there to work with. And you've, you know they're protecting a potential generational quarterback. Everyone's forgotten how good Trevor Lawrence can be just because of how um, Urban Meyer treated him last year and because of how bad that team was. So, you know, the guys they've drafted are fitting well. And even at the back end of the draft, you've got the running back from Old Miss, Snoop Connor. I mean, he doesn't need to do much behind the front two they've got, but he's a special teams expert, as is Gregory Jr., the cornerback out of Wichita Baptist. They've really gone for the special teams. They're going to get some good guys on there, possibly ones they can develop as well. And then they ended up in round seven with Monterey Brown, a cornerback from Arkansas, who has faced some of the best wide receivers in the college football game. He played in the SEC. He should not have been a round seven pick. They've got themselves a steal there. So the draft, I love it. The team, I'm scared about. I'm scared about that offense. They've got a generational quarterback there. They've got a one-two punch at running back, which is James Robinson and Travis Etienne. Robinson has shown he can be amongst the best in the league. And Etienne was picked round one for a reason. You've then got the offensive line, which is decent. Tight end, they've got Evan Ingram, who's you know pretty good. And they've got some young guys in there as well. And at receiver... You know, I know people mess around with Martin and Kirk and that, but they're, they're average receivers. Let's not get that wrong. But when you've got a double-punch running back room that could be as good as what the Browns have, the Browns have shown that you don't need top-tier receivers to win games frequently if you've got a one-two punch in your running back room. And Christian Kirk, Zay Martin, all these guys, they are serviceable receivers who if the running back is – if the running game is working well, they will hurt you. And this worries me because running backs are what we've struggled to stop for so long. And if these two get on top of us, this offense could get on top of us. So, you know, I like what Doug Pedersen is doing there. He's inherited a pretty decent side. He's added to it. Um, The defense, like I say, the linebacking core is really good. There are some questions with the secondary and the D-line, but you can't fix a team in one offseason. But they're not going to be as simple a victory as people are saying. We need to get on top of them. We really do. We need to overwhelm that offensive line. We need to really get the D-line with our offensive line. We need to run on them, 
just like they're going to run on us. And we just, we need we're really going to need to grind this one out. So beware, this is a trap game. Yeah, don't chalk up an automatic win. It's a team that I said at the top, but their biggest change is at head coach. Organise this team well, and it can be a problem for sure. Lawrence, you've got to make the most of him. I reckon they can do. I'm bullish on the Jags' chances in the next couple of years with this leadership, with this roster, especially with one more good draft. It could be quite interesting. Let's move on to the next game, which is... I'm going to skip over Minnesota. We talked about them last week. So at Minnesota, uh, sorry, versus Minnesota in Detroit, skipping over them. We talked about Minnesota last week. Now moving on to at the New York Jets. The Jets draft was very nice. Amar Gardner at four, Garrett Wilson at 10, Jermaine Johnson at 26, Brees Hall at 36, Jeremy Ruckett at 101, Max Mitchell at 111, Michael Clements at 117. I would normally give the highlights, but them to highlights uh in terms of their free agency as well they've spent the money i mean they've taken lake and tomlinson who's really revived his career at san francisco and he got paid three years 40 million dollars but also took on dj reed cj yozoma uh tyler conklin jordan whitehead and jake martin getting quite a lot of money also solomon Tom- thomas loki there one year 2.25 million is going to be a really interesting signing and they got good at kicker with Greg the Leg coming on for one year, $2 million. In return, they didn't lose a huge amount. Morgan Moses, Jameson Crowder, Jared Davis, we all know and love him. Um, that's pretty much it. The Jets have gotten better across the board. They've drafted well. This is yet another team that is being underestimated by the Lions fans. A good offensive line, a good defense, a wide receiver core to be feared. The main questions are quarterback. It's weird how similar it is to us, isn't it? Because if we weren't having questions about our quarterback, our offense would be a lot more feared, I reckon. I think people will put a lot more respect on it. But yeah, I agree there. This, this is a team we can't sleep on the Jets. And I know we all go, oh yeah, but they're the Jets, they're bad. But it's like the Lions. We've been slept on for years because people just say we're the Lions and we're bad. We know as fans that we've got a good head coach now who is changing that perception. And Rob Seller is doing the same with the Jets. I fear that offense, that first string offense they've got, I am scared of. They've got two really good tackles in Mekai Beckton and George Fant. I know Beckton's had his troubles, but they won't give up on him yet. On his day, he's still really good. Lakin Tomlinson, who did note for us, has gone on and produced a lot in his career. He's a great get for them. They've got Vera Tucker from last year. The offensive line is decent and can protect Zach Wilson. They've got a one-two running back punch now. They've got Brees Hall in. They have Michael Carter last year. I loved Michael Carter coming out last year. I really like Brees Hall this year. I think they could form an effective tandem if the offensive line gives them the room to work. The receivers, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore. I'm scared of all of them. I thought Garrett Wilson was the best receiver in the draft, and I will stand on that hill in five years' time when this draft class gets evaluated, and I reckon he will be. So, And then even at tight end, you've got C.J. Uzoma. Um, You've got, I mean, they've got Rooker, who's in there now. You've even got Tyler Conklin. No, it doesn't sound much on paper, but he's put enough touchdowns on us for the Vikings over the years. So there's a bit of depth there. Along a lot of the other positions, though, there isn't depth. So that starting 12 scare me. 11, sorry. But if they get a few (laughs) injuries, then I'm less scared about it. 
but their defense has got good pieces on there as well. DJ Reed, Ahmed Gardner, Quincy Williams, CJ Mosley, you know, Carl Lawson is healthy. It's, you know, and I look at the coach and I think just overall, despite us being better in the trenches and maybe a few more bits going around, that their, their defense just nudges them above us in terms of how good they're starting 22 is compared. So I, I don't think we're favorites in that one. And I think, you know, it would be an upset if we beat them, if everyone is fully healthy. But at the same time, if we are fully healthy, I would expect to go out and beat them because I believe we can beat them in the more vital areas. And I don't think Zach Wilson is all that. So, but don't just write them off, I think is the thing there. They, they're another team who are drafting very smartly under a new head coach and they seem to be investing wisely for a change. And, you know, much as we hate people talking down on us just because we're Detroit, we can't fall into the same trap with the Jets and the Jags this year. Talking about a team that is going to be interesting to talk about whether people are sleeping them or not, are sleeping on them or not, is the Carolina Panthers. We visit them in week 16, game number 15. This is a team, two and a half point favourites over the Lions in this one. And having a look at their team, having a look at their draft and free agency, you could be lulled into a sense of security as to this is a, a good team despite quarterback but perhaps they have wider issues their draft class a Kem Aquanu at 6 Macrout 94 Brandon Smith at 120 in free agency they took on Dante Jackson Austin Corbett Xavier Woods they also took Johnny Hecker who's probably one of the best punters in the league Matt Ioannidis Damian Wilson they spent a bit of money uh, but they lost Daquan Jones, they lost Stefan Gilmore, uh, Hassan Reddick, AJ Boye. There's there's some notable guys going both in and out for Carolina, but perhaps beyond this defense, which low-key could be very good, beyond this offensive line, which is getting back to average, beyond the wide receiver room, which is very good, and the running back, Christian McCaffrey, is on the field, is very good. Two major questions. Who is the quarterback and why are they bad? And who is the head coach? They are not good at the two most important positions in the NFL. And for my money, I cannot see why they'd be favoured over us right now. I can't. I think they are a bad football team. I mean, <clears throat> Matt Rule's a big part of this. He's on the hottest seat in the NFL. And I expect him to be gone within a month or two of this season because I just don't see them putting up with him much longer. You know, they didn't invest in a quarterback in the draft at the top. If you are a quarterback on a hot, if you are a head coach on a hot seat, an owner is not going to trust you with a quarterback of your choice in the first round because the new guy might inherit him. That shows how little faith they've got in him. Yes, they took Matt Corral, but with a round three pick, it's easier to say, oh yeah, that's the previous regime's get rid of him because you're not throwing away a first round pick. Uh, just for the sake of it. So it shows there's no trust there for me. Yes, they got Ikea Kwonu, who I love, and I'm disappointed he's gone there because I, you know, I just hate the Panthers this year. Uh, he's going to be great for them going forward. They've already got Taylor Mote, and there is one of the best right tackles in the league. So, you know, they, they have set up some foundational pieces there, but that, that coach is going to ruin them. You've seen how a bad coach can bring a decent side down. When Matt Patricia was with the Lions, when you had a defense that started with Justin Coleman, who was really good at the time, Jamie Collins, who was decent, Trey Flowers, who was playing decent, you know, our offense, our defense on paper was pretty decent. And you saw 
how thoroughly he made that team play, you know, awfully. You know, a good team played bad and underachieved. So, yes, their defense might have some decent players in it because, by God, they've invested enough draft picks in it the last few years. But the coach is bringing it down, and he's probably sapped them of all the confidence going. And, you know, to be honest, even then, I I look at that defensive line, you know, yeah, they have got... um, the oh my god, I'm, I'm losing track here. Derek Brown, um, they've got Derek Brown in there, you Brian know, Burns, got Brian Burns, yeah. And I'm, I'm not scared when our offensive line is as good as it is. When I've got Taylor Decker, who is a top 10 left tackle, Frank Ragnow is a top two center, Penn I saw one of the best young tackles in the game and potentially could go to the Hall of Fame if he has the career we think he will. I'm not scared of that. I think that they're gonna. You know, I, I think our offensive line can deal with their threat that comes from that. And then let's I think dial the back the Hall of Fame chat for Sue, shall we? A minute. I, oh, I'm just I'm speaking. To, yeah, you know what I mean, though. He's he, his <laughs> ceiling is ridiculously high. Yes, we saw last year how well he played, even when getting switched tackle positions. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about that defensive front with the offensive line I have. And that is a thing Lions fans need to expect this year. Yes, we might come up against some good D-lines, but our offensive line is as close to a perfect one as you will get, given that we've got the major positions sorted and we're pretty good at guard. They've got to start wailing on teams this year and start you know, making game-changing plays for our running back room, our quarterback. They've really got to start to dominate. So I would expect them to dominate against that Carolina defense. And I think by this point, are going to be demoralized to hell because they'll be on their way to the number one pick. So I, I just see us beating up on them there. And like I said, with the Lions in general, for this season, because it's the last team, I'll quickly pontificate on it. We need to start beating some bad teams this year. And Carolina are a bad team. We need to show that we're on the up, that our team is gelling, that our rookies are getting better, and we need to dispatch some of these bad teams. And these are one of these bad teams. I like the draft. I love the draft, actually. There are loads of players in there who I was high on. They got Amari Barno, the edge from Virginia Tech. Love him. He's going to take a few years to develop, but he's going to be great. They got Cade Mays. Love him. It's going to take a few years to develop, but he will be great. And then they ended up with, oh, God, who was the other one? They got Kalon Barnes. Him and JT Woods were one of the best uh, cornerback pairings in college last year, pretty frankly. They were really good. Got him in round seven. He's going to be really good in a few years. So I think they've set themselves for a new head coach to be decent going forward. Again, good foundational pieces, but their head coach is going to drag them right down. And I want us to beat a team who is going to be in disarray at this point. Even if he's still there and they're somehow doing all right, they still represent the kind of mid-team I want us to go and put a statement down with and beat. So I'd be very disappointed if we lost to them. Yeah, as Ant mentions, that's the last one. So the last two games versus Chicago, we talked about them earlier, nothing really changes there. At Green Bay in the final game, they, again, may have sewn up the number one seed already and perhaps that gives us a bit of a chance at Lambeau to get a result. But barring that, we discussed Green Bay in the previous pod. If you want to listen to our thoughts on that team, please go back a week, listen to that show. 125A, I think we'll find that is for a mini pod. Otherwise, that's your lot. We've broken down all 17 games, all 14 teams that we will be facing. Um, any any final thoughts on the entire season, Ed? I think oh, you kind of have really said it, really. Oh, there is one team we forgot that we're going to be facing, um, the refs. 
We didn't talk about the refs. Oh, that's don't. that's a team. That's the team that we're going to be facing, and you know that, that 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 they they account for a lot of points against Detroit. So you know we're going we're going to have to hope that the refing team's rubbish this year, and they actually start giving us some calls. Uh, but no, overall, I'm excited for this year. This year is the the land of opportunity for the Detroit Lions. The schedule is not the hardest. There are a lot of mid teams who we can go out there and beat, really make a statement. Um, but as much as I'm excited, I'm also terrified because if, if we go through this and win three or four games, then the rebuild to me is dead. It really honestly is if Goff stays healthy um, because there are a lot of teams where you need to start beating. We, we can't expect to go to the playoffs if we lose to some of these teams. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. I, I just want to see us really go in hard and, and be competitive for one, but be competitive and win. Winning is... Winning is the order this year, and I won't accept any less than winning a lot more games than we did last year. Anything else is going to be a failure. Yeah, completely agree. I want to see progress too. I'm more bullish on our prospects if we don't have a good year. It all depends on how we look on the field. I mean, it's going to suck if we don't get the wins, but if we look really competitive, if we suffer against teams that we both have just listed could cause us problems, I'm willing to take a holistic view of the season. Having said that, I want the currency in wins. And with that, we shall leave it. Don't forget to follow us on Raw the Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next week, our show will be a fun one. We'll do a mini pod on the Detroit Lions Naughties All Decade team. That's 2010 to 2019. It's going to be a really fun one. And That's not the Naughties. Naughties. Whoops, tens. Beg your pardon. Why have I said Naughties? <laughs> We can do the noughties as well if you want. But I don't uh, want to do the noughties. A lot, a lot of our knowledge, yeah, not 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 a lot of us were supporting at the turn of the century. Uh, millennium. No, no, that's absolutely right. Pardon me for the misspeak. There we go. Um, RawTheLinesUK.com is the website. Uh, don't forget to rate the podcast five stars if you can. If not, rate us what you like, but tell us why you can't do it five stars. Subscribe, like, all that good stuff. Otherwise, thank you for listening. I actually want to ask you guys to let us know what you think about these mini pods this is our fourth one now i think it is of the versions of the main pod uh let us know what we think is it going too quickly is it exactly what you're looking for what can we improve we are looking to do the absolute best we can for you guys we hope it's more accessible than the main pod which we know goes on for a little while um please do get in touch with us with any of those social channels and and we really appreciate the feedback but my thanks to Anthony Fitzpatrick. My name's Matthew Turner. We'll see you next week. Let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride.